Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello and welcome to the Friday Special, a podcast by Guitar Nerds. Now for 2020, the Friday Special series will be running every single week and each week I'll have a new guest from the world of guitars, amplification, effects pedals. We're going to have brands and producers and musicians and builders and all sorts. I am your host, Joe Branton, and joined... I'm joined this week by our special guest, Seth Backus of Backus Guitars. Hello, Seth, and uh, welcome to the show. Hi, Joe. Thanks for having me. Very oh, pleased to be here. Oh, wonderful. Well, it is wonderful to have you here. Um, thank you very much for, for coming on board. I've been trying to get Seth, uh, dear listener, I've been trying to get Seth on the podcast for weeks. And I, I've had to cancel on him twice, which is incredibly unprofessional. So I'm very, <laughs> very glad we finally managed to arrange something. Now, listener, as you know, you you are more of a, uh, a geek than I am often. Um uh, you probably already know all about Seth Backers, but as a as a brief overbill uh, overview, um, Seth builds, you know, very beautiful, premium quality, extremely highly regarded, custom made electric guitars in kind of a, a modern come classic like Fender meets Gibson aesthetic. Would you say that's a is that a fair uh, description of what you do? Yeah, absolutely. It's a, a sort of amalgamation of of the classics. Um, you know, with a few twists here and there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Now, so, um, so I guess, it, well, to to start, we, we should start with the kind of origin story with Seth Backus guitars, um, yeah, because it's quite an interesting uh, origin story. You know, in in comparison to a lot of luthiers, because you come from a very rich heritage of uh, of guitar builders. Yeah, it's kind of the the family business, if you like. Yeah. Um, so I'll give you a, a brief sort of bit of background. My uh, stepfather is Andy Manson, uh, founder of Manson Guitars. Uh, one of the sort of, well, probably the longest, maybe the longest standing English company these days. I'm not yeah. sure. But yeah, uh, certainly, you know, easily one of the one of the there. best known for many reasons. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, probably the longest running. It could well be. I, I mean, Andy built his first guitar in 1967. So... <laughs> <laughs> going going back some years now yeah um so yeah so i kind of you know i just grew up uh surrounded by guitars and uh sawdust predominantly <laughs> <laughs> kind of got the bug rather inevitably yeah of course 
Um, and, uh, you know, obviously Andy's brother, his younger brother is Hugh Manson, who is also a guitar maker. Um, That's right. So so Andy makes acoustics predominantly and, yeah. and Hugh makes the, the electrics that, you know, I, I think maybe our, our listenership are potentially more familiar with. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I'm, I'm sure most people are aware of the sort of Muse connection um, with the Matt Bellamy guitars and the, and the Manson guitars. Um, which uh, which is Hugh's kind of side of the business, if you like. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Well, uh, Mikey Demas, obviously a regular contributor yeah. to, to this podcast. You know, we were huge fans, especially of Mikey's um, signature model. It was fantastic yeah. and wonderful to have him sort of a part of the company. And in fact, oh, on, yeah. on last week's episode, we were also talking about um, the fact, obviously slightly separate from actually Hugh building guitars, but... Um, uh, Matt Bellamy and Manson Guitars' new collaboration with Court to for, for the first time to bring yeah. us affordable um, Matt Bellamy signature models, which yeah. is you know I think something that people have been gagging for. So, uh, so it's uh, a, another wonderful extension for Manson. It is, and I think they've done a from what I've seen of the of the guitars, they've done a really great job with the the quality and the you know sort of accuracy of the design work and everything. So I think it's a it's a great thing for them. Yeah, certainly. The, the, the Court, um, as a brand, all the stuff that's coming out of that uh, Korean factory um, is always very impressive. Yeah. Um, for, for sort of the for for the money that you're paying for those guitars, I think you get an awful lot of bang for yeah. your buck. So, yeah, so. I totally agree. Yeah. Yeah. So so anyway, sorry. Bringing bringing it back to you, you obviously yeah. um, stepfather was Andy Manson, and yeah. then you know Hugh Manson, his younger brother, who yeah. builds the electrics and runs that. So you you ended up working at Manson Guitars, like on, on the sales floor, as it were. Yeah, absolutely. So I when I uh, finished college, I um, Hugh asked me if I would help out, just you know, hoovering the floor and making the tea for a week while they were preparing for a guitar show. And um, I, you know, bit his hand off basically. And uh, and it was a really nice week and we, we had a really good time. And at the end of the week, they kindly offered me a job um, just, you know, just as a skivvy, basically. Um, That's how everyone starts in a guitar shop. Yeah, exactly. And uh, it's quite funny looking back on it now, actually, thinking about it. It's a long time ago. But um, so that was in 1997. Right. And uh, then... Yeah, I took took the full time job, and then I think maybe three years later, um, I kind of got promoted up through the ranks, as it were, and and ended up as the shop manager, um, and uh, but also did a bit of the guitar teching, touring work, and stuff like that as well. Right. So I went on tour with John Paul Jones from Led Zeppelin. As, did uh, you? Yeah, oh, I didn't know that. That must have been incredible. Oh yeah, it was fantastic. I mean, I was only. 20 or something the first time we went out um and uh oh, of course because john paul jones has a signature model yeah manson, manson also well. yeah. yeah i mean john paul jones is 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 sort of very much a, a large part of the manson guitar history and i mean that's a really interesting story as well that oh, tell me that story then i definitely I'm, I'm afraid, can yeah I, I, i'm afraid i don't i don't know that yeah, well, so so uh, he him and his wife Mo moved to um it was in Sussex somewhere. I can't remember exactly where, but Andy at the time was living just outside Crowborough and uh, his mum, his mother told him that she'd heard a pop group had moved in down the road uh, <laughs> in that sort of classic parental way. 
and um you know oh there's a pop group who's moved in down the road you should go and knock on their door and uh by that time andy was doing a bit of guitar repairs and you know building a few instruments and that kind of thing he must have been in his early 20s i would say then right and um so anyway he went and knocked on the door and uh and john's wife mo answered the door and andy i think he actually said um, oh hello I've, I've heard there's a pop group that lives here <laughs> uh, and uh, and i think mo said um well, my husband's a musician, if that's what you mean. <laughs> you know, it's like one of those sort of introductions. Oof, well. And uh, anyway, she she called John and they they came out and had a chat and, and got along, uh, you know, reasonably well straight off the bat. And um, John gave Andy a couple of repairs to do. And uh, when he dropped them back, um, he, uh, you know, paid him, but also comped him some tickets for, for the, a show. Wow. And uh, so he went to the show and it was when they started doing a bit of the acoustic kind of interludes in the oh, in the middle wow. of the gigs. Okay. And um, John, you know, John's a real multi-instrumentalist. He can play anything. Yeah, of, good. Yes, yes, he absolutely can. Quite, quite literally. And uh, he was, you know, doing in the acoustic interlude, he's like picking up his 12 string and then putting it down, picking up the six string and then switching to the mandolin and, you know, doing all this kind of all in, in one song, if you like. And Andy was like standing in the audience and had this kind of light bulb moment about, hang on a minute, what about putting them all together into one instrument? So he disappeared for six months, <laughs> probably, and uh, <clears throat> kind of came back and uh, built this triple neck. I don't know if you sort of know of the, yes, the, the know original Led Zeppelin yeah. triple neck. Yeah. And uh, knocked on the door and... Um, you know, John opened the door and Andy just sort of shoved it in his face kind of thing. <laughs> and uh, and John's face just like biggest grin in the world. And he just went, wait till Pagey sees this. <laughs> and it was like a bit of one-upmanship, I think. Like, you've got a double neck, I've got a triple neck. You know? <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Yeah. yeah. And uh, it was really funny. And I think uh, I think the story goes that he, um, Andy, he, you know, so John said, you know, how much do you want for it? And Andy was like, uh, 400 quid. And uh, John was like, oh, fine, no problem. And Andy skipped off down the road feeling like a millionaire at, <laughs> what was it, 1973, I guess. You know, <laughs> That's incredible. Wow. Yeah. What, what an amazing, uh, what an amazing story. Oh, thank you for telling that. Yeah. I, I didn't know that. Um, I didn't know that at all but it's really lovely and that that's how you know that's how the introduction with john paul jones and manson right. guitars started and i i think john well undoubtedly i would say has the largest collection of manson instruments probably anywhere in the world and so you got to what was the tour that you got to go on uh, uh we did the thunder thief tour so it was um the well actually i think the first few shows i did might have been towards the end of the zuma tour uh, we did some European festivals and uh, stuff like that. And then, yeah, then maybe a year later, we went out full blown and did the Thunder Thief tour um, in North America and Canada and a bit of Europe as well. That must have been an incredible experience. Oh, really? I can, you know, just felt very surreal at that age. I think <laughs> by the time we did the Thunder Thief tour, I was probably 21 wow. years old. And, and actually, it was so lovely because, I mean, John's like the nicest guy ever anyway, right? He's He's such a a decent down-to-earth human being and um the sort of general setup for the tour was was going to be you know the crew so me Hugh and uh Brian the tour manager and uh 
Nick Beggs and Tell Bryant, the drummer, so the band, we were all going to travel on the bus and John was going to fly from, you know, city to city and, and meet us at the shows kind of thing. Right. And um, he uh, missed his flight on the first... We, I think we, we did a few days rehearsal in Nashville, four days rehearsal in Nashville, and then did our first show in Nashville. And I think he missed the flight out of Nashville, so had to sort of bundle on the bus with us for the night. And uh, he had such a nice time that he cancelled all his flights and spent the whole two months on the bus with us. That's amazing. Yeah. So it was really fantastic. And so like some of those big, long drives in North America, you do 10, 12 hour drives in a day or whatever. And the guys just sat around jamming all day. So it was pretty mind blowing. Really, That's incredible. And and what did you, you, did you tech then for that? Or was that predominantly what you were doing? Yeah, exactly. Is this before you'd built any guitars or? Yes, very much so. Yeah, yeah. I built my first guitar when I was 23, I think. Uh, so yeah it was a couple years before that and I was kind of doing a bit of everything so because we had three band members and two crew so me and my uncle Hugh right and um so I did so Hugh was doing sort of predominantly John's stuff uh well John's instruments because he has so many of them and they've all got so many strings on (laughs) (laughs) and I did all the backline drum tech um you know all that all the rest of the stuff basically okay Oh, yeah. fantastic. So, yeah. so I guess let's talk about how you got started into building guitars. Because, of course, I mm. imagine the first ones you built weren't the sort of, <laughs> you know, yeah. the incredibly, um, you know, sort of premium quality instruments that you're now uh, yeah. now producing with Seth Beckers guitars. What what were the, what were the first things that you were putting together? Well, and, I... and was it was it a part of uh, Manson guitars? I guess when you when you started doing it, was it always your own thing? It was it was my own thing, but built in Hughes workshops. The right. first, probably the first, maybe ten guitars were built in Hughes workshop, and uh, we used to. Um, so we always used to have to work Saturdays in the shop because you know it's a retail shop. So you have an extra day off during the week to to make up for working the Saturday. And uh, my friend and colleague Tim Stark, who's now the head luthier of Manson Guitar Works um used to have the same we used to have the same day off on a friday and she basically just used to let us run wild in his workshop <laughs> so we went out there with really no idea what we were doing at the time and uh just made a lot of mess and probably <laughs> blunted all Hugh's tools and <laughs> so it was and, like a so it was sort of uh by you know process of error that you uh sort of eventually learned to build guitars yeah i mean that's how one learns anything mm. isn't it really but I guess um, so, yeah yeah i mean my first guitar was a sort of telecaster type copy uh for my girlfriend at the time and uh it's not it wasn't bad to be honest i've still got it kicking around the workshop i've still got my first two guitars kicking around oh yeah that's cool that's that's cool to be able to see the sort of you know the path that you took yeah i mean it's you there there was a phase where I couldn't look at them for a while because I you know my work had moved on from that period and I was so embarrassed but you know nowadays it's it's nice to look back on that sort of stuff so yeah yeah there yeah so um so I guess so at that time so at that time you were you had a a bench in in Hughes workshop yes yeah um in in Manson Guitars and kind of from from there you ended up um you ended up moving to Portugal am I jumping too far ahead there and and, and then you ended up with a workbench in Andy's shop yeah that's basically right so in um 
so when I built my first guitar in the end of 2003, I think, uh-huh. and uh, I worked at the shop uh, with Hugh until the end of 2009. Um, and again, I did a few other sort of techie bits. I did the Led Zeppelin reunion show at the O2 Arena working for John as well. What an amazing um, thing to get to do. Yeah, it was ridiculous. Totally <laughs> surreal experience. Um and yeah, and then in 2009, I kind of, I just wanted to focus on the creative stuff. So I just wanted to build guitars. I didn't really um, want to work in the shop anymore. And uh, I went, I, I, I left the shop and went traveling for a little bit. And by the time I'd got back, my parents had decided to move to Portugal. And uh, so I tagged along for the ride and and it was so nice. I decided to, to stay basically. <laughs> <laughs> yes well yeah I, I yeah. imagine a sort of a, a nice sort of rustic end of because you, you said before before we started that it was a very rural part of uh, of Portugal as well absolutely and the, and the house was derelict for 10 years before we bought it and um so we did a complete renovation job and Andy and I um you know put together a really beautiful workshop at home uh, and he was kind enough to share his space tools and experience with me basically Right. So was that like, a, was that kind of a, a, a learning uh, time for you? Was that where you were sort of learning to do this professionally or did you jump sort of straight into um, making your own sort of set? Yeah, I, I, I mean, they were they were branded Seth Backus or branded Backus at least. Um, I, I think I probably took my first like paid commissions, not for friends and stuff. Yeah. Uh, in about. 2006 ish um and but only you know building three a year or something as uh on on the side of the other job um but that 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 was the period where i had decided it was something that i wanted to put 100 percent into and, and give it a proper go um and portugal afforded me the opportunity to do that um well twofold really I suppose one without the financial pressures of having to uh you know pay my own mortgage or whatever and rent my own workshop space at the time um but also to be able to spend the time learning with Andy and really getting my skills up to up to scratch you know right and and I guess and you stayed there you stayed there for eight years before you eventually came back over yeah um and and by the time you came back over, Seth Backus Guitars was very much established uh, mm. by that point. You'd kind of, uh, I guess you'd done all the groundwork. Um, by the time you came back, you were, yeah. you'd were you already been invited to the Holy Grail Guitar Show, what, once or twice? Um, yeah, I guess maybe by the three time times you, even, yeah. Really, by the time you were back in the UK. So you were very yeah. much sort of established then. And that I kind of guess we, we've spoken a lot about background. It'd be, we should do like a, an overview of of the instruments and what they've, uh, you know, what they've become. Because, of course, you know, you are one of a, a select range of luthiers who were, was invited to the Holy Grail shows. Obviously, mm. the last one was the last one, so there are no more. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's, you know, that's not bad to have such a... Um, <laughs> yeah. such a, you know, you, you were pretty much there at the, the bulk of them. So uh... Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm very fortunate to have had the opportunity to to work with both Andy and Hugh along the way I mean that kind of experience and and knowledge base is is priceless really um 
but also I'm, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm incredibly obsessed with doing things right. And the, the whole kind of quality aspect, but also the way a design works, the way a line flows, the, you know, the whole kind of caboodle. And, uh, it, it was, you know, I mean, I, I, for those first five years in Portugal, I probably was working, you know, 80 hours a week, just building guitars. So pretty obsessive about it really. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it certainly shows because that's, that's the thing. This is the, um, I guess the, the thing that is very obvious about Seth Backus guitars um, is that there is an awful lot of attention to detail with them and attention to detail with them. And, um, you know, when you talk about being obsessed with lines and, uh, and, you know, I guess function and how well Mm. things are working, that, that is very, very apparent in these models because of course, Mm. you know, when it, when it comes to, um, when it comes to custom build things or, or sort of individual luthiers, I, I kind of find things fit into a few different categories. They tend to either be um, very modern uh, and that is ergonomics obsessed, but there is kind of a very specific aesthetic that comes with those. Yeah. Or uh, you get guitars that are kind of, um, um, how, how to put it, like historically obsessed. So there'll yeah. be, there'll be, there'll be perfect reissues in a sort of manner that the, you know, that the, the big two aren't quite managing to do at that sort of the, you know, the, the size that they are. It's, it's that kind of thing. And everything kind of tends to be one or the other. There's this yeah. new thing happening at the moment, this sort of in American luthiers where there's this big revival in, in sort of fifties surf style guitars. Mm-hmm. And there's this sort of modern come classic thing that's, that's happening with a, a lot of, um, a lot of those brands like Jennings in the States or, or maybe like Fidelity in the UK yeah, where yeah. you've got like uh, these classic guitars that will have a few modern features to them. But you, your guitars are quite separate from all of that. Like Seth Becker's guitars are very much like you have taken certain influences, certainly, and certain cues from classic yeah. brands, from some things that Fender do and something some things that Gibson do, yeah. but very much you've gone after um, your own aesthetic in that sense. And the attention to detail is, uh, is incredible. Like, oh, uh, you. you know, the, the, the lines, the, the lines are just incredible on, um, uh, uh, on the Nautilus, the, uh, on the Nautilus, what, what's the, what is the name of the, um, the Special Reserve, yeah, yeah. There we go. I finally got to the the web page that told me <laughs> what the name of it was. The Special Reserve Nautilus is the, the the sort of the whole line of the heel and everything like that. The yeah. the, the double binding, the way that this is a it's it's a you know a slightly a slightly angled version of a classic single cut. It's just yeah. there is a um, yeah, it's it's it. They're incredibly lovely, modern-looking guitars that don't make people like me, who are obsessed with you know vintage guitars. Yeah, they don't make me balk. You know, they yeah. <laughs> they 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 hit. They seem to hit everything that both uh, both parties would want in an instrument. Well, I appreciate that very much because that's exactly what I was trying to do. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> that's um, that's much appreciated. Good. Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, I, for for me, I, I wanted to um really create an identity for myself and for my builds and i want to 
without sort of sounding too grandiose. I wanted it to get to the stage where you could be in an audience and you would know it was one of my guitars, whether you could see the headstock or not. Yeah. Okay. That's very and, cool. And um, I think, you know, there's a lot to be said for, for starting by building, you know, classic replicas and finding your way around the processes and, and all that kind of stuff. But yeah. it's not really my... Um, personal thing it to, to to build a, a sort of vintage exact replica if you like and uh I, I wanted to you know indulge my own creativity and um bring something a little bit different to the to the table but but as you say without alienating either um camp really that, and that's the thing that i think is very difficult to do is that yeah. you've attempted to make kind of a, a, a very much a traditionally inspired instrument but you're making a new shape mm. now that that that's that's the thing that's tough making mm. a new shape <laughs> you it know, is that, that sort yeah. of leans you need to lean the correct amount on everything that's come before but not too much yeah um but also not so much that you know <laughs> that it ends up looking yeah rubbish you've got to find yeah. uh, you've got to find that sort of middle ground <laughs> absolutely and i and i also was sort of very conscientious of of building in i'm sandra and i'm just the professional your small business was looking for but you didn't hire me because you didn't use linkedin jobs linkedin has professionals you can't find anywhere else including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role like me in a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hey Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombus, we've always said our socks, underwear and t-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. ...that are timeless. And so I don't want to really look back on my work in 20 years and think what the hell was I thinking you know <laughs> and, and I, I, I'm kind of a lot less radical in in that respect maybe than a lot of other of my contemporaries but um yeah I think it works my customers seem to to have gotten on board with it and I you know I haven't built anything that isn't an original design um since 2011 maybe oh, that's that's very cool yeah. What was the what was the first? Because there's, there's a listener, you, you know, it's impossible for me to describe a, a a sort of angular single cut shape on a podcast. Obviously, mm. check out Seth Backer's guitars to to see that. But was the um, because that shape is something that you you obviously repeat across all of your models in slightly yes. different ways. Yeah. Um, what was the first one? Was the Nautilus what started that? Or yeah, very much so. Right. Yes, okay. I wanted to. 
it, it kind of came from the place of learning how to play on a strat and so that's something i actually wanted to talk about because this is a this is a funny thing you make uh you know glue neck or you know set neck yeah. guitars um that, that very much hark to that single cut les paul-esque style but yeah. you use a fender scale length and, yes, exactly. and I, i'd heard that that was because you started playing on a stratocaster and you found gibson's and un, un, you know not very comfortable yeah it just felt unnatural to me and uh, it uh, particularly at the top end and stuff it all started to feel a bit bunched up and and you couldn't i couldn't really deal with the upper fret access and that right. kind of thing and um there's also something about for, for, this is just for me personally. There's also something about the way that the string responds at the Fender scale length. Uh-huh. It just does something that I personally prefer. So I think you get, in, you know, you end up with a sort of slightly tighter bottom end, a clearer, snappier treble just by having that extra length in the string, the extra tension in the string. Yeah, I, de- I definitely agree. Yeah, those yeah. are those are sort of the defining features of each of the two sort of yeah. majors. Yeah. yeah, and so all, all my favourite players played Les Paul. So I'm a I'm a I'm a slash Jimmy Page, you know, sort of type kid. Right. Um, and so aesthetically, you favoured Gibson, but yeah. whenever you sat down and played one, you didn't like it as much. Exactly. I yeah. can absolutely identify with that. I feel yeah. <laughs> feel exactly the same. Yeah. I forced myself onto Gibsons over the last couple of years okay yeah. uh, just to, <laughs> because I, I couldn't deal with the fact that i wasn't playing my favorite brand but but yeah. i definitely if i in my most honest moments i know that i prefer a fender scale length you know? yeah yeah it, it's the same for me too it really is mm. and so that's where the concept for the nautilus came from is like right let's get back to the drawing board and let's design my perfect single cut and maybe someone else will like it too <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, that's great, but the 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 Nautilus comes in in quite a few different. Well, they stay on the Nautilus because the Nautilus comes in quite a few different versions. There's obviously the the Special Reserve, which is something that, that I guess those are the guitars that have, you know, got you onto the Holy Grail guitar yeah. show. Um, I mean, I do the Nautilus. So it starts from the the whole idea with all my designs was to use one one body shape that that is you know the same for every model, and whether that whether it's a bolt on or a set neck that's a and, great idea not many people do that trying to make the body yeah. shape their signature yeah it's hard to do as well and you you have to be you have to get the lines just right otherwise right. it looks clunky yeah um and i wanted to make so so if you're going to do that you need to come up with a way of incorporating every variable aesthetic or pickup combination or you know bridge setup or whatever that all fits and works on that one body shape yeah and so the nautilus you know i suppose it it starts from with the nautilus junior which is you know reasonably self-explanatory it's a it's a slab body single p90 you know set neck type thing very Um, much very much in in sort of my uh where i end up defaulting on guitars and and i think actually the nautilus junior surprisingly because obviously you know the the classic the special reserve these are the things that are you firing on all cylinders yeah but i think the nautilus junior was the thing that i saw that made that made me be like oh look at these guitars mm-hmm, and when mm-hmm. i first saw seth becker's guitars at a, you know a show you know 
years ago mm. or whatever. I think it was a junior that made me be like, oh, oh, that looks fantastic. Yeah. So was that early on? Was the Nautilus Junior an early shape, or did you start at the Classic and then make the I, Junior after? I that? sort of started. I started with a a sort of hybrid, I suppose, which right. is which is kind of what the Nautilus standard is now. Mm-hmm. And so the Nautilus standard is a is a flat top but double humbucking. Um, uh, you know, single cream binding around the top, usually, or or a forearm drop top contour, whatever. But but that was that was kind of the first uh, incarnation of the Nautilus, and then I moved quite quickly into the carved tops. That that was always the plan, right? Um, I see. Is it more... is it much more difficult to make a carved top? It's a lot more work, yeah. Right, yeah, yeah. It's a lot <laughs> a lot more work, a lot more time, um, and it, it it's a lot more material cost as well. Of course, so. Uh, yeah, but that that was always kind of the aim, and then the junior. Although obviously it was in my brain from the beginning, it, it didn't follow until after. I think maybe I'd done a couple of hollow bodies first um, really? as well. Yeah, so maybe the classic, the modern, the hollow bodies, and then back to the junior. Kind right. of keeping oh, it right. simple. So the junior was quite late. Yeah, and the junior, you also you offer that in the shorter scale length as well. Yes. Like, yeah. Absolutely. To keep yeah. it true, sort of junior esque. Yeah. Guess. Well, I I had an order. Um, my one of my good friends is Tim Mills from Bare Knuckle Pickups. Yeah. And um, oh, of course, all your guitars. Uh, you you work with Bare Knuckles as a standard, right? Yeah. If it's if it's a default option, um, I've known Tim for a really long time. From well, pretty much from when he started Bare Knuckle, actually. Right. And uh, I think he makes really great pickups. And um, anyway, he bought a Nautilus Classic actually at the first Holy Grail show that I ever went to. So I think that was 2014. Wow. Um, and then he bought another Nautilus Classic a couple of years later. <laughs> That's and, great. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and then simultaneously ordered a, a short Gibson fat neck, 59 neck uh, junior. So... Um, that's where the short scale version of the junior kind of came in. Ah, I see, I see, very cool. And yeah. the, the Nautilus standard, we obviously we touched upon that uh, upon that boat sort of mm. quickly moved off the Nautilus standard. It's it's so amazing the difference that um, that having a carved top and having a flat top makes to an instrument because yeah. the Nautilus standard has all these like kind of. I, I mentioned it before, but these like '50s surf connotations to yeah. me, anyway. It's got those sort of uh, um, all the angles. It might be the the some of the plates that are used in in yeah. the images on your on your site, but it very much has this. This is like the modern version of a of a '50s retro guitar, and it has that yeah. it has that look. But then when you moved on to the um, onto the the carved tops of the of the the classic Classics, and the hollow. Yeah on the hollow body it completely changed the guitar to a totally mm. different thing and the binding and everything as well mm. Mm. Um, yeah uh sorry i totally interrupted sorry. you there <laughs> no no it's, no it's fine carry on uh but the, I, w- I was going to say also the the hollow bodies would be kind of a um i guess a thing to talk about because moving into hollow bodies that's a, again a, a totally different thing because yeah. of course you you know you you've obviously grown up with an acoustic guitar maker um yeah. You know, I guess how how much influence did that have on you moving into hollow body guitars? Yeah, uh, the the hollow body was was sort of always uh, on the drawing board, um, right from the sort of early design stages. I just 
I always, it's kind of a hybrid of two things. Andy makes the most beautiful archtop guitars, like proper, proper archtop guitars, you know? Yeah. And they are like, you know, the, the uh, as good as anything in the world. Right. And um, it, it, he he is one of the most graceful craftsmen I've ever, I, I know I'm biased a little bit because he's my family, but I think most <laughs> people would agree if they look at his work. He's just such a graceful craftsman, so elegant and um, tasteful. And uh, he, it, you know, his his whole arch top and the shape of his f holes and everything is just perfect. So so beautiful. And when I used to run the guitar shop at Manson's, I was always, you know, pretty enamoured with the build quality of Paul Reed Smith guitars because he really changed the game in terms of of build quality. And I know they're not necessarily for everyone with the with the fancy woods and the shiny lacquers and everything, but but in terms of what he brought to guitar making he, he really changed things yeah yeah and i think he he certainly um like yeah absolutely as you say there's sort of a maybe a, a touch too bling for for a lot of yeah. people but um i think he actually gave the big two a, a, the the biggest run for their money that they've absolutely. had in a long time yeah absolutely and um i always loved the 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 hollow body 2 model um sort of size wise i'm not a i'm not a particularly big guy at you know any sort of 5 foot 8 and and a 335 always kind of felt massive to me um but i loved you know the idea of of hollow bodied guitars and uh so yeah that was the kind of the idea behind the the nautilus hollow body was a, a smaller body more manageable sized um but but chambered and uh yeah so it's i think it works it's good yeah, yeah, definitely, and that I, I mean, I I think it, it well, I I've read that you know that this was kind of uh, um, that things were inspired by the the Bluebird that mm. that um, um, that Andy, Andy, Andy produced in the in the nineties. Yeah, well. that's right. Yeah, yeah, he has a a very distinct original acoustic model, um, as you say, the Bluebird. I think it was introduced in like ninety one or something, right. And I kind of remember maybe the first couple sort of passed me by. I was a bit too young to sort of be paying attention. But I remember when it, when I got it and I saw the the shape and it made sense to me. And I just thought that that flowing line from the top bout down into the cutaway and, and yeah. the shape of the cutaway is, was so elegant and, and really unique, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And um, when, I, when I came to designing my own range of guitars i i sort of wanted them to pay homage to my upbringing and background um but to yeah reinterpret it to a to an appropriate sort of electric guitar design what a what a wonderfully subtle um touch to have but such an important touch as well Mm. very cool yeah um yeah i love it i love that i'm a sucker for double bound guitars so that you know that that angle it seems so strange to keep coming back to oh yeah the angle on the (laughs) (laughs) from the top horn flowing into the lower horn yeah but it it, um it looks incredible it's it's such a fantastic feature it is i think it's a really elegant curve but also it's it's very functional and if you i don't know if you've got a picture there you're able to look at in front of you but if you look at the back of one of my guitars you see how the shape flows in and, and how the heel design yeah. of the carve into the neck, into the body, um, how that all flows together as well. And it, it means that 
you know, there's plenty of wood in the glue join. There's no worries about any, you know, stability or energy transfer from neck to body or anything like that. But it enables you to get right up to the to the very top frets with no hindrance, basically. I, I, this is actually something that's more important to me than maybe it should be. But um, I am I am very keen to have the you know a decent uh, good access and and good functionality in a in a guitar. Mm. I am often unwilling to sacrifice um, aesthetic for that. Yeah. <laughs> um, which is why I have such an issue with contoured heels. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They make perfect sense to me, but they need yeah. to look good. And and yes, you, you seem to manage to have solved <laughs> an yeah. issue that is uh, is close to my heart. So thank yeah. you. <laughs> yeah, no, thanks for noticing. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I guess outside of the Nautilus, we should talk about the Shoreline as well. Um, yeah, which is your bolt-on model because it's not just you know it's not yeah. just something for the for you know the the single cut set neck. No, that's right. I, I, I did the, the first couple of shorelines were um, sort of Telecaster based guitars. And I, I probably built the first ones. I'm trying to think, I think I exhibited the first one at a guitar show in 2012. Right. Um, and my, I had a Dutch dealer. Um, the fellowship of acoustics came on board sort of pretty early doors with me. And they ordered a few of the Shoreline tees, and they they kind of all went very well. And uh, That's a and then great the Nor- shop to get involved with, by the way. Yeah, it's a wonderful shop and, and a great family uh, business. You know, really super passionate people about guitars and and a, and a lovely sort of family work ethic. Yeah, um, really nice bunch of people. Um, but um, yeah, and then and then the sort of the the Nautilus just snowballed, and I my order book was completely full of of Nautilus for maybe the next sort of five years or so I suppose I didn't really <laughs> kind of <laughs> yeah I didn't really get a chance to come back to the to the shoreline stuff but I when I moved back to England a few years ago now um I it's something that just kept gnawing away in my brain to revisit redesign tweaks to scratch plate shapes and you know that kind of stuff and um that ended up evolving not only for sort of revamping the shoreline T, but then also doing sort of a bit more jazz mastery inspired stuff with mastery tremolos. And, um, and I just recently a few months ago for, well, actually I released it at the virtual online version of the Holy Grail show that we did this year, uh, which is the new shoreline S, which is, you know, very S type guitar inspired. Um, and, that it's just taken off. Now my order book's completely full of shorelines. So <laughs> I'm really grateful for that. It's great. Yeah, I, I mean, I absolutely love the shoreline JM. I think it's a, it's fantastic. I mean, I'm a sucker for anything with a mastery bridge. So yeah, yeah. this is it's already got me sort of from that. But yeah, it's um, it's it's again. I mentioned it earlier, but it's amazing how much that that single cut shape has lent itself to both bolt on guitars and isn't it it's so funny if you put the nautilus classic and the jm you know sort of directly next to each other they're they're completely different guitars in in almost every respect except for the body shape yeah but it but it works you know (laughs) yeah fantastic and and i guess um uh from talking about the you know the shoreline t and the shoreline jm um 
is you know what's what's next is there something that you feel is missing from the catalog you know i guess like you did when you only had the one shoreline the shoreline t is there something that you want to expand either in nautilus or shoreline or something else yeah, I mean that's the the ongoing battle. Well, is to just yeah. is to, to focus on what's in the order book and stop bringing out new models. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I'm currently working on I, I'm currently working on a shoreline base, um, which is going to be really cool. I think. Oh, that is exciting. Yeah, that is exciting. I'm a bass player first. Is it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so, uh, so you know, a guitar collector first, but a bass player first. So that that gets me hot under the collar. Yeah. Uh, so you well, are you going to keep all of the aesthetics from your existing guitars on and move them onto a bass? Yeah, very much so. So the the first ones I'm going to start making the first two next week, um, and one is an order for a friend of mine who is an amazing artist uh, called Bella Tricks, and she's. Um, well, she's an incredible bass player, but she's also the sort of former multi-time world female beatbox champion. And uh, she she sort of beatboxes and basses at the same time with wow. lots of loop loop stations and vocal harmonies and, and all that kind of stuff. She's really cool. Totally amazing woman. That um, sounds amazing. I, I feel yeah. stupider for, for not knowing that already. But well, I, look I her up. You'll enjoy out. it. I, yeah. I, I thoroughly will. Yeah. So so you're, you're, are you making the... the are you going to oversize the body for bass or are you keeping it yeah. the same? Right, you exactly. are oversizing. Yeah. So the first, um, we discussed sort of three specs with with Belle and the first, um, well, what her sort of prerequisite was a short scale bass. Right, and okay. So we're doing a, um, I suppose it's sort of Mustang uh, 19 fret, 30 inch. Oh, so you're going uh, dead on 30? Yeah. Okay, 19 fret. That's, yeah. yeah talking my language now is it yeah, yeah okay, oh yeah this is cool. yeah i love short scale bases absolute sucker for them so yeah uh, it's great because it's not really my world and i haven't obviously i've not made one yet so i haven't really had any feedback if i'm heading in the right direction but um we'll we'll, we'll see how we get on and uh that one's the the first couple are going to have a pj passive pj setup okay and uh they're pretty much sort of stylistically going to be the same as the shoreline jms with the with the sort of curvy scratch plate type shape and oh, cool so um, so keeping it as a bolt on 30 yeah. inch so very much you're gonna go yeah with with a pj i guess we're sort of emulating yeah the modern mustang yeah it's in that sort of vibe definitely light you know lightweight very comfortable forearm contour rib cage contour nice is it going to be three body strung the the base or yes right so very much mustang yeah cool that, that i mean is very how- cool how do you how do you feel about through body stringing? Um, it makes more sense on a bass, on a short scale bass, especially mm. as someone who owns a um, a music master bass and mm. a Mustang bass, and can see how they respond. Um, yeah. You know, comparatively, I would say there are, there are obvious advantages um, to having through body strong. I mean, I'm again a sucker for Gibson basses, so you know, yeah, okay. got a lovely sort of you know, EB three you know Gibson mm-hmm. bass, which is you know obviously not through body strong, and mm. that is that's perfect because that's you know Jack Bruce in a box, but you know, it's, yeah. uh, But when it comes to sort of bolt ons, I think uh, to get that snap that I I think you want, um, yeah. You know, you don't want to completely remove that with a, you know, with a bolt. And it makes sense with a, with a Gibson-esque bass. You just want that to be 
muddy, over-compressed sub. Yeah. That's kind of the aim, so nothing else matters. And yeah. having the strings being as loose as possible, that's why, you know, people who play Gibson basses, they're using flat rounds or tape rounds often, yeah. things like that, because you want that. That's the desired thing. But actually, with a short-scale Fender-esque bass, I think what you want is is you still want the note clarity of a P bass or a jazz bass. You just want it to be a bit smaller. So mm. yes, absolutely, I would say. Sorry, you cool. you made me totally go off on one then. On no, no, the, I, the I, I wanted. I, of a short <laughs> yeah, scale no, I, want, I wanted you to. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. Yeah, but um, but that I mean that sounds that sounds fantastic. Wonderful that you'll be expanding your range into yeah. uh, into bases as well. I've I've also got um, I built a double cutaway bass uh, for a friend of mine. I don't know, maybe about five years ago or something, and that was a full. Uh, that was actually a full scale, so 34 inch, but 24 fret, um, bolt on and sort of imagine if a jazz bass, a wall and <laughs> a Rickenbacker all, or maybe a music man all kind of got together and had a lewd party. And So, so. Well, that was an original body shape as well. Yes. It? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, and I think I'll be doing more of those as well. So. Oh, that's really cool. That's really cool that you'll be expanding into that. I mean, it's yeah. great to, you know, to see sort of Seth Becker's guitars kind of continuing to expand and impress everyone. Thank you. And, uh, and, you know, it'd be great to see your range expand past the existing eight models that... Uh, and of course, you cover such a range of price points anyway already in your in your order yeah. book, such a broad range. Um, so yeah, it will be cool to to see those expand. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean that 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 pretty much that brings us up to about time for uh, for this week's episode of the Friday Special. Sorry if I talked too much. You didn't at all. <laughs> the, the the correct amount. Um, okay. <laughs> uh, no, it's been it's been really wonderful to have you on, Seth. So thanks. No, thank you. Oh, thank you very much for coming on and chatting to us. Um, you can, of course, listener, catch more Guitar Nerds over on our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Guitar Nerds. Or you can join us on any of the major social platforms with at Guitar Nerds. Um, and, of course, you know, if you haven't already, I assume you have, um, check out Seth Backus Guitars. Um, it, Backus is B-A-C-C-U-S. Uh, SethBackusGuitars.com. So check those out and all the incredible things that you can custom order there. Um, we'll be back next week with uh, our regular episode on Wednesday and another Friday special on Friday. We'll catch you then for more of this guitar nerdery. Farewell. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 